Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you open your Bibles today, we'll continue our verse-by-verse study in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. The title of the sermon is, I Bow My Knees to the Father of Our Lord Jesus Christ. Here is the first half of this two-part study. So as we dive into this portion of Scripture, we have been away from the book of Ephesians just for a little bit. The last thing that we looked at, we looked at verses 8 through 13. And as we looked at verses 8 through 13, we were talking about the the manifold wisdom of God as God is bringing the family of, of Christ together and He was bringing the Jew and the Gentile, two people who hated each other, that wouldn't even sit at the same table with each other. And he's bringing them together. And they're drawn together by Jesus Christ. And it's for an eternal purpose. It's, and, and I love what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Now remember, Paul stops his prayer. He was going to pray, but he had to get this point across. And, but then he says, Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. And then he goes right into the prayer. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. So this is the second prayer in the book of Ephesians. The first one we covered um, a couple months ago in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 through 23. That prayer dealt with the enlightenment and the awareness uh, of, uh, and the emphasis on our, our walk with God as a believer in the church. And, and it, it, this prayer actually deals with four specific points that we see. This prayer deals with uh, the strength, the faith, the depth, the spiritual understanding, and the fullness of God. And see, Miss Elba thought she was going to sneak in here. And we were congratulating you. And thanking you for serving at the Divine Food Pantry for the two years that you did it. We want to thank you for doing that. As we talked about serving outside the walls of the church, you did that. And we just wanted to make sure we acknowledge that. So thank you for doing that. I know it's a lot. It's every Tuesdays and Thursdays you were pouring out to people that were in need. And so uh, thank you. I know the pastors appreciated it as well. And also, just keep it in prayer. There's many places to serve in the community. So as we look at this first portion, we're looking at the prayer to be strengthened in verse 14. Uh, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So one of the things we need to establish right off the bat is posture. Do I need to be on my knees to pray to God? Well, uh, we had God put this right into an example 
this morning as we were coming in on I-35 and there's a 18-wheeler that's completely burned up and they have all lanes closed up and then what do you do? Do you pull off on the side of the road and stop and get on your knees and pray or do you pray while you're driving? You pray. Posture of prayer is, is, is not as important as we think it is. It, praying on your knees is a place of humility. When you bow to your knees and you pray in humility, that's, that's one thing that Paul is talking here. And we know that Daniel did the same as well. And, and there is a place for it. I think it's important. I think as you get older, it's hard to get on your knees and get off your knees. Especially, right? But you can still do that. And, and so I think one of the biggest things that we get about this is that it's the heart of prayer. It's the heart of prayer. It's, it, it is to remember that Jesus, at the very beginning of his ministry, on the first day of his ministry, as he's poured out and he spent all this time serving and healing and teaching, what does he do? He gets up very early in the morning and he goes to pray. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus got quiet, turned down the noise, turned off the TV, turned off the music, and prayed. If, if you got music going on and you got the TV going on, how are you going to hear from God as you're praying? It, it says that, that, that Christ, you know, as we looked at, at um, with God, that it was a still, quiet voice, right, with Elijah as he heard from God. And so we have to turn down the noise, and that's what Jesus did. Every, he's an example of how we should be praying and seeking Christ daily, seeking the Father. He sought the Father daily to, to, um, to have guidance, to have wisdom, to have direction. Prayer is essential. I, you know, every church will tell you, oh, there's unemployment in every church, right? You know where, where the biggest need is? It's prayer. You know where the biggest work can be done in the church? Prayer. It's through prayer. We, we are, are, are given uh, the opportunity to pray. I think Jesus even said, even when the disciples asked, well, you can teach us, teach us how to pray. That's what the disciples wanted to know. And he, Jesus goes into our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. As he gave a parable for the disciples, he, he, one of the things he shared in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, and he says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. How easy is it for us to lose heart when trouble hits or difficulties hit? He's telling you when those things happen, you should be praying you, you should be seeking God in prayer and he's also telling you that you should pray without ceasing in first Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 now what does that mean pray prayer without ceasing or praying without ceasing that means throughout the day you pray you think to yourself well wait a minute I, I usually just pray in the morning or I just pray in the evening maybe I just pray when I break bread with my family no, prayer should be throughout the day. There are many things to be praying for. And how many of you are guilty on Instagram or on Facebook or TikTok and you go, oh, praying. Did you actually pray? Right? Praying for you, brother. Did you actually pray? We're guilty of it. We all are. 
We get in our busy life and we're thinking, but praying without ceasing means when, whenever. That's why, like this morning, we, what did we do? Miss Donna was not feeling well. The first thing we did before we got started as we have our prayer at 1045, we prayed because why? We're praying for the service. But we prayed for Miss Donna. We had something to pray for specifically. Pray without ceasing. Pray for your kids. Pray for your marriage. Prayer is a duty. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4, through 4, it says, Therefore I exhort you, first of all, that supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead quiet and peaceable life, and all godliness and reverence, for this is God, and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He's like, I exhort you, first of all, that all supplication, prayer, and intercession be made for what? Not some men. All. All. Not some presidents. All. Everyone. I don't agree. I mean, there are times when I... You know, I, I feel like tossing the guy across the street, but I still need to pray for him, right? When I see things that, that are embracing things that go against God's Word at the White House, I mean, I, I've, I've served this country. I, I've watched men die for that flag. And then to have it placed in between an LGBTQ flag where the United States flags were. And this is at the White House. So yes, I need to pray for my president. Because something's wrong. Because if you're adapting things that go against God's word, we need to be praying. And that's why Paul says, pray for every king. Pray for those opportunities, man, for that person at work that drives you crazy. That you're just ready to like, I want to quit. If I have to work with them for another day or her for another day, I'm done. Start praying for them. Ask God to, uh, to open their hearts, to have conversations where you can talk to them about their what? salvation because that's the most important thing the reason why they're having conflict is they're they're at war with god if they've not chosen to follow jesus christ they're at war with god and i told you this past weekend it's because they're at war with god because rebellious men are are in their sin and they're following the prince and the power of the air of today which is satan what happens is because they're at war with god they can't touch god no amount of money, no army, no technology. They'll never touch God, but they can touch the church. They can come after you and your family. And so we need to be men and women of prayer and pray without ceasing. There, are, Man, if you tell me, I don't know what to pray. There is so much to pray for. Just look at the nation. It's like, I mean, how many of us honestly think it's okay to abort a child after birth? There's something you can pray for. There are many things that we can pray for. Many things. Pray for the homeless. And you go, well, that's in California. No, go to Austin. They're all over the place. Go to San Antonio. Go on Marbuck, you'll see them. They need prayer. They need Christ. But we have many things that we can be praying without ceasing. As you're driving down the road, when that person passes you up and gives you the one finger salute, you can pray for them. Right? Hopefully it's not one of your family members that did it. So, But you can pray for him. Prayer is a gift. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 through 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was 
in all points tempted as we are, and yet without sin. Let us therefore, therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I love this verse because this is something that you need to teach your kids. Your kids are going to sin as just as you do, right? And I love this because it's saying in, in, even in your weakness when you're tempted and yet you're in sin, you can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain what? Mercy. You can be forgiven and find what? Grace. There's grace for the journey. For the rest of your life, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there's enough grace for you the whole way home until you're in eternity with Christ. And unfortunately, what happens with a lot of people is they're, when, when they're in sin, they go the other direction. They don't come to the throne of grace. And yet, you have a high priest, Jesus Christ, who was tempted just as you are. Now, he didn't fall into sin. We have free will. Jesus was fully God, fully man, and, and, and sinless. But yet, he knows the pain and the struggles of this world. I mean, you think about it. He healed leopards. He saw the pain and the hurt. He knew illness. He's like, come to me. Come to the throne of grace and pray. Obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. It's such a beautiful verse. And so we pray. And pray as a gift. Prayer is a privilege. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let our requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He tells you to be anxious for nothing. If you're waiting for test results or you have an upcoming procedure that's happened, it's hard to be anxious for nothing. If somebody's in a car accident and you don't know how bad it is, it's hard to be anxious for nothing, right? But he's telling you to do what? Come in prayer. Come pray. In supplication. But he tells you in what? Thanksgiving. In Thanksgiving. Well, if I'm battling an illness and I'm stressed out over this test, you're telling me I need to give thanks. You're breathing, right? Well, I don't know what to be thankful for. You're taking breaths. Every time you breathe, God is allowing that to happen. We take that for granted so much every day. But he's telling you straight up, he's like, hey, at the end of the day, be, be thankful. Let your request be made known to God. And I love this part because I think we say this all the time, but I'm not sure if we really receive it. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He's saying when you're anxious, you come to me in prayer, you give it over to me in prayer, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that's what guards your heart. And you go, I don't have the peace of God. Pray again. Pray again. I prayed ten times already. Pray again. Grab your spouse. Pray with her. Get a prayer request going online. We have those. Hey, I need prayer. And we'll make sure it goes out to the prayer team. But it's, it's Christ that guards our hearts and minds. We, when we're anxious, it's the enemy that loves playing around in the anxiousness to try to tempt you and to get you to fall away. Prayer is a promise. In Jeremiah 33, 3, it says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. He's saying, look, call to me. 
Do you make prayer a priority in your life? Because with Paul, it was a priority. With Jesus, it was a priority. With the disciples, it was a priority. What are you going to teach us, Jesus? The one thing we want you to teach us is to do what? Teach me how to what? Pray. That's what the disciples asked. Not, let me become a dynamic speaker. Let me, teach me how to, to have the oracles of God so I, can, I know how to preach His Word. How to heal better or what is it that I need to do to heal this particular illness? No, teach me to pray. And so do we make prayer a priority in our own lives? Another piece of application, do you pray with your spouse? How do you hear your wife's heart? You need to. Even if you don't do it together, you need to at least ask, sweetheart, is there anything I can pray for you for today? And I've told you all this before. A lot of times you think you know what's going on in your wife's life until that moment. You think you've had a busy day and then your wife lets you know everything that's going on. And you go, man, I need to be praying. Let me pray for all of that. I think one of the greatest things for me is, is my wife usually falls asleep when I pray. Because she's at peace. Now I could take that as an insult. Like, man, is she snoring? Man, what's going on? I, what, I'm hearing stuff, man. She's probably tired of hearing me talk for 37 years. Like, I'm done. But she's emptied everything that's on her heart and mind and given it over to her, what? The pastor of the home, her husband, to pray. See, unfortunately, we got this backwards. The women are usually the ones that take the lead in all of this, and that's not your role. That's your husband's role. They're the pastors of the home. They need to be praying for what? Not only the spouse, but praying for the family. Not just a general prayer for the family, but they should be praying for each child by name. That child that sits right there, you should be praying for a spouse, a godly woman to come into his life when it's time. That's an, that's an instant prayer. Now he's going, no, not, not now, but no, you're praying, you're asking God down the road like, Lord, you already know who the person is. We're praying for that. It's, those are important things to pray. It's like, for me as a leader in the church and, and as a pastor, my leaders need to be prayer warriors. Now, because we're small enough church, you should be praying for each child by name in your children's ministry. You should be praying for each youth by name in the youth ministry. It's, it's an opportunity for you to actually pray and, and, and go before the Lord. And you pray not only for them, in the, in the work that they're doing for the church. But you pray for their families and their marriages. Prayer is an opportunity for us to humble ourselves before the Lord. And that's what Paul was saying. When he comes to his knees, he's humbling himself before God. And just making prayer a passion for his life. And that's what he's asking for us. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named in verse 15. He's talking about the body of Christ here. And he's talking about the, uh, the, the Jew and the Gentile becoming brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, it's the same thing when we had, uh, even last week, when we, we, had, uh, we did baptisms. I tried to tell the church, and one of the things I shared with Tuesday with them in the, um, uh, the, the Zoom thing that we did for, uh, with Kirk, is how, in, how blessed it is to have baptism happens two weeks in a row and people come to faith two weeks in a row it's very rare in a church 
most fishing that has to be done has to be out, done outside the walls of the church because the people normally coming into church are not unsaved. It's very rare because why? We don't invite people to church anymore. We just don't. And, and so for us, it's essential for us to, to realize that every one of those people that came to faith, they are now brothers and sisters in Christ and the family of God. They're part of the body of Christ. And, and the, the reality of it is, is that there are two lines to humanity. And there's two spiritual fatherhoods. The one group, when we followed, and I, for many years, for 39 years, followed the, the father of lies. In John chapter 8, verse 44, it says, You are the father of the devil, and the desires of your father you uh, want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. The other group, you're a child of God. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 1-3, through 3, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be, be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, uh, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he, he is revealed, uh, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has the hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So which family are you in? It's simply put in 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, And the children of God and and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor he does not love his brother. So he's like, if you're, if you're living in disobedience, if, you're, if, you're, if you hate your brother and your sister, and that, that just means anybody in the world, really. He's like, then you're following the other father. The father of lies. If you haven't asked Christ to take residence in your heart and confess your sins, then you're following the father of lies. And it says here, by his riches of his glory, as, he, as Paul was sharing. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 19, it says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and the glory by Christ Jesus. I think sometimes what we do is we underestimate under, uh, God. And, and I think it's sad. We forget that, that God's riches are immeasurable. So if God's going to step out and do something for the church, which is His church. This ain't my church. This is His. Right? I sat yesterday and, and we were at, at uh, Black Creek Coffee. And I looked over at Marcus, the Market Media building. And I thought, what a blessing that was to be in that building. What a blessing it was to have Marcus and his family embrace us and allow us to be there. And we didn't know, you know, you look at this building and you go, man, it's kind of rough, dude. But it's like we have a place to, to worship. We have a place to have the word. We have a place to, to have fellowship. And God has provided all of that. And he'll continue to provide. But what we do is we, we think that when we step out in faith to do some ministry or something that God's, well, I don't know if this is going to happen. You need to stop that. You need to start have that mindset like God's going to do this. Like we did the football field event. Lord have mercy the amount of money we spent. It wasn't our money. 
It was the money that, that God provided. We had people come to faith. We had people be baptized on the field at Natalia football at the high school. We had Christafari there. Austin Carlisle was there. Um, and, and you just never know the blessing that it can be. But if you take the step of faith of going, we'll never have the money to do this. So we, let's just stop talking about it. Man, first thing you need to do is start praying about it. And then you get a bunch of people starting to pray about it. And can I tell you, like, we had money that came in from the South Texas Ministerial Fellowship. They wrote a check. Prevailing Word wrote a check. First Baptist Natalia wrote a check. This church wrote a big check. And it happened. And can I tell you what the amazing part is? They're practicing witchcraft in that school. We didn't even know that. There's a group of teenage girls that were practicing and, and putting spells and casting spells in the in the high school so you don't have no clue what's going on but if you think that that our God is poor that he can't provide that he doesn't have immeasurable riches and that it's going to be done for his glory then why are we here right it's like we have to remember that it's like he's saying that look all these things that 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 is going to be provided that that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit and the inner man He's saying, look, according to his riches, they're immeasurable riches. They're for his glory. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 